Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Carl. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, every week we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now sponsoring... I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seatbelt <laughs> sign. And the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tire? Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, it messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand, which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these two little clips, and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenuous sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low-income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebar Jack will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. All right. Well, uh, so I'm Luke. I'm Kyle. And uh, this is another episode of, well, that fucked me up. And um, we are very excited to meet, is it Tiff or Tiffany? What's preferred? Whatever you want to call me. Oh, Let's go, Tiff. Let's yeah. go, Tiff. I've been yes. called worse. I, I was going to say, don't leave that open for us because God only knows that's not a great start. <laughs> I'll answer to anything. Yeah. I'll, I'm not. I'm not precious. Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> we're um, so we're excited to hear your story, and um, we normally just kick things off in a super casual way, and maybe just give give us a bit of background. We can hear your Australian twang. Um, give us a bit of a, a background and yeah. start wherever you want to start, and let's get the conversation going extremely twangy i am not just australian but right down on the bottom end on that broken off little corner of australia tasmania yep that's where i was born and bred so grew up there and hence the the twangy accent love it and i moved into i picked up and packed up and scooted over to the big city melbourne when i was just edging towards 20 so i was ready for the big life Moved over here. In a nutshell, uh, I worked in corporate up until I was about 29. Mm -hmm. And at 29 years old, I jumped in and decided to partake in a boxing challenge, uh, one of those corporate boxing challenges. Wow. It was pr quite a ludicrous decision because I wasn't 
was it really a fitness nut? Oh, it wasn't really fitnessy at all. I kind of would here and there I'd go and try something and give it a few weeks and then yeah. I'd do something else. You know, I never really stuck at things. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I saw this I saw this poster up and it was, you know, 12 weeks, zero to hero, get in the boxing ring, get a punch in the face. I was like, oh, that, <laughs> that is up my alley. I <laughs> I liked to do things that would, look, looking back now, I liked to do things that were outrageous, mm. that were not typical of a female. Like I, when I was 17, I got my motorbike license and I'd cruise around Tassie on my motorbike. Yeah. I kind of just liked to s- stamp my my identity on those types of things. Now, underneath the facade of all of those choices and things and experiences, mm. I was a very reserved and quiet and shy person. That's interesting. So I, I feel like looking back, I was really, I was creating, I was definitely creating this persona that I wasn't really strong enough in myself to back up. It was right. like, look at me, really different, can't really say it because I'm a little bit shy and I'm a little bit awkward. Yeah, so signed up for this challenge, jumped in, told everyone because I'm a bit of a big mouth. Yep, doing this challenge, you got to buy two hundred, you got to buy a ticket and come and watch two hundred fifty bucks. It's going to be on Fox Hill. It's going to be huge. I'm going to be amazing. And I remember two weeks in, uh, we start doing the defence work. We said, oh, I wasn't a box. I would barely. I'd been to a handful of you know the youth club boxing fitness boxing classes. We had to stand in front of each other. There was me and my mate, or she'd become my mate. She had. We, her nickname was D bolts. She had delts on her that were like they were bolted on. Like her arms were bolted on. <laughs> wow! Very strong chick. So I'm standing in front of her, lovely chick, but very strong looking, intimidating. Yeah. And we were learning that process of you know getting our gloves out and blocking punch. So we're just kind of floating out, floating our glove across to the other person's face so they can experience that you know movement, not the punch, just the movement. And I remember this knot develop in my throat and I, I couldn't keep my eyes open. I couldn't look forward oh. and I remember just thinking, now I'm not a crier but as soon as this class is over, I am going to sit in my car outside and I am going to bawl my eyes out. Oh, it was wow. so confronting. Yeah. And that level of confrontation kind of played out over the whole 12 weeks. So wow. it was 12 weeks of rocking up to this training, I certainly wasn't very good at it. And funnily enough, it was the first thing I kept doing that I just wasn't naturally good at. I didn't have a growth mindset. I had a fixed mindset. Right. If you're good if I'm good at something, I'll do it. Yeah. If I'm not, it's not you don't just go and learn to be good at things. To relate it back to my history and, and what what I later learned was yep. well having a bit of a history and having a bit of a bit of shit underneath, you know, that I hadn't dealt with. Yeah. Within a couple of years, I found myself, I have this memory of me going for walks. I'm a very busy person. I'm always keep busy, do, 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 Mm. achieve, achieve, whatever. Mm. And I realised, and obviously you hit your 30s. And so I was was 29 when that first fight. So over the next couple of years, I'm in my early 30s. And you can't recover as well as when you're 20. And you can't train and then go and drink. And then, so there were these moments in time where I'd get quite exhausted and I couldn't go to training, and I'd have to be a bit more still. Mm. And when I was still, I would get these waves of my – I remember sometimes walking at night time, I'd be going for a walk by myself, be listening to music, and next minute I am bawling my eyes out. And I legitimately didn't know – I was, like, confused. So I'm wow. thinking if someone t- came up right now and said, hey, 
what's wrong and how can I fix it? I wouldn't have an answer because I was like, I actually don't know why I'm crying. Right. So these emotions were coming up. Yeah. But then also I started thinking of these memories. So when I was a child, for quite a few years, I was experiencing sexual abuse. Right. And I had tucked that into the back of my mind and it almost to the point where I just I refused to believe that it exists, so it kind of wasn't a part of my life anymore. Sure. But this, then I started finding that on those walks and that I would think of running into this person. Right. And I was really interested in why is that coming to my mind? Yeah. Like that's that's very odd. Yeah. And so then I started self-diagnosing my my situation by Dr. Google. Like, As we what do. if? As we do. Yeah. What yeah. is what is the science behind an <laughs> adult that has experienced this as a child and not dealt with it? And funnily had, enough, had you I re- had a friend. Had you remembered it as a child, though? It, it, it didn't come back to you for the first time at this point. You had remembered it, but you no. blocked it out. Is that what had happened? Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I blocked it out. Like I, I had just dissociated from it. Gotcha. You know, it was because there was a lot of you know, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment that so it was like, oh, I just will create this this Tiffany where that didn't really happen to and we'll just ignore that because that, I totally. would never admit that to anybody. Yep. And so you hold on to it but you just it, it goes. But yeah, it just and it popped back into my memories and thinking, I was like, this is really interesting. I remember saying to a good friend of mine who was a clinical psychologist, I gave her this hypothetical, like, if this happened to someone and they were <laughs> old now, blah, blah, blah. And she yeah. said, oh, she answered like, oh, God, no, they wouldn't have dealt with anything. And I was like, all right. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later she said, oh, were you talking about X, Y, Z? And I was, was kind of awkward. I was like, no. I was talking about myself and right. the look of horror on her face. She was like, oh, uh, I would have censored how I How she's responded to, to you. Like, yeah. I would have been a little bit more tactful. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I guess how that, how that related to the boxing ring was I just, I'd quickly, that, that was happening in the background, so yeah. this stuff started coming up. But also this query of going back to the boxing ring yeah. Like I said before, there was nothing that I'd done in life that I didn't, that I wasn't good at, that I continued to do. I had no consistency. I was like, next shiny object. So, yep, I'll do this. And then 12 weeks later, I'll, what's the next thing yeah. that I could, what's something different? <clears throat> so I like never me. stuck at yeah. things. The boxing ring was this really uncomfortable place where I was not good at it. I, I didn't feel I was good at it. Um, I was in a constant state of dis, uh, discomfort, yep. dissatisfaction in terms of never never being where I wanted to be. So it wasn't like you go somewhere and you're like, oh, isn't this great? Like the, the results on the other side were great. But I was really intrigued. But I felt the undertones of something resonating there. Mm. And I got really curious, like what what is it about this mm. that's making me go back? It's, there's something. But it, more questions started coming up such as what I've always put on this persona about being this strong, independent, Mm. I've always got the answer. Like ask me anything, I've got the answer. (laughs) I Relationship advice. Never have relationships, always got the answer. I remember giving my (laughs) sister-in-law relationship advice Mm. and when I was way too young and 
never had relationships. I'm like, but I I had an asphyxiation with having the answer. Yep. So I started looking at these traits and I'm like, oh, hang on, because why, why are people asking me, aren't I scared of a punch in the face? I'm like, no. Nah. Mm. So what I realised was what I am scared of is vulnerability. What yeah. I am scared of is abandonment. What I am scared of, what I'm not scared of, in fact, what's on the other side of that is, I'm not scared of standing in a boxing ring alone with a person because that person in front of me at this at this moment in time, they're not hiding anything. They can be seen. Wow. So they're going to hurt me, but they can be seen. And all the people around me, they can see. And they can't help me, but they can watch me help me. Wow. So there was, yeah, all these little little things that I went, oh, that represents that to oh, me. Wow, that represents that's so cool. That. Yeah, and that's what I was looking for. It was like, what are the links? What are the things that are making this? And what are the things that have triggered these memories to come up because of that association I felt? So that's amazing. Yeah, that makes good sense. Uh, Can we just go back to those memories? You mentioned that you were always keeping yourself busy. You were always, you know, I'm one of those people as well. I'm going to try this. I'm not good at it. I'm going to try this. I'm not good at it. I'm not going to try. I'm going to try this. And funnily (laughs) enough, I found my, my groove and, you know, as I've got a bit older. But when you said those memories started coming up because the boxing and the fitness meant that you had these moments where you had to be calm and still because you were, I guess you were tired and you needed to rest. So that Mm. almost unlocked something in your brain, right? Because you wouldn't, was it like you wouldn't allow yourself to be still before? You always had to be busy. You always had to be on the go. And this was the first moment where suddenly some stuff started flooding back. What I realised after a period of time through, you know, comments from my coaches and was that, I didn't feel in the moment. I didn't get emotional and I had a real poker face. Mm. And that wasn't because I went in there and I'm like, I won't show you. That was because that had become my biology. My Mm. biology was when in this state of danger, we don't feel. Mm. We don't feel and we're not present. And we'll process that in two days' time when we're safe again. Mm. And then in, in two days' time, we'll just get really fucking busy. Yeah. We get really busy so then we don't have to. You can beat that out if you need to. We get really busy so we actually don't need to process that. So there's, this was all the stuff that was waiting for me to have a look at it mm. that I was just making sure I was too busy to have a look at. I totally I totally understand that and relate to that, you know. I feel like, yeah, I mean, Jesus, you're telling my story. And it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I had to mute it was- I was a little emotional. I was like. So. Do you find that it's the because for, for me I did. Do you find that it's it's a place where you you see it sometimes you see yourself for the first time because when you're in there, there's no time for constructing a version of yourself because you're sub because because when you're in that moment, your your brain responds, your subconscious responds before you can make something. So you see quickly, oh, Tiff responded like this, Tiff felt this way. Tiff, when when this happened, when this style of adversity happens, when the pressure was on, this is what happened. It was like, oh, that doesn't represent how I thought I wanted to present myself. But you can't present, you don't have time to present yourself in any other way than the way you are. Yeah. And they were the moments of, you know, of power. It's like when when I can control my response to an outside force and trust that it's not 
it's not a choice, but it's a something that innately I have done as a response, as a reaction. I've reacted to the way I'm trained. Now we train, train, train. Sometimes then we step into the ring and someone throws a punch at us and we flinch. We didn't train to flinch, you know. So it's when is my body going to back me, back my logic? When is my body going to trust my body enough to do the thing and be there in the moment and do what's best for me in a way that aligns with what I want to achieve out of this? And as I say that for the first time, I actually feel like that there's, there's this level of trusting yourself and that's definitely something that I obviously would have struggled with a lot after what had happened as a kid was trusting yourself, trusting your judgment, trusting what you do and that, that what you do is okay. That's interesting what you said about trusting what you do is okay because that always brings me around to my issue which was not believing in myself and not trusting myself and not trusting my ability to make the right decisions and as a result making terrible, terrible decisions a lot of the time, you know. So I, I really relate to that. Kyle? When did you find that, you know, after you discovered this and, you know, obviously there was like the initial shock and then the therapy and stuff, was there like a day or like a moment where you were like, I'm okay. Like I survived. Like I'm, you moved from like a victim to a survivor or, um, you just, you, you, you feel okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess it, it, it quickly became a continuum for me. It's funny, I remember the first when I when I sought therapy, it was always around relationships. And I don't just mean intimate relationships, I mean I saw that I have these walls up and nobody gets close and nobody knows me because they believe the mask that I believed for mm. twenty nine years. So it was removing that and, and opening up and cultivating close relationships. So that was always my um, what I would walk into therapy wanting to resolve. Mm. You know, the rest, I was high functioning in the rest of my life. I just wanted, you know, relationships are important. They're the cornerstone of everything we do, whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's sport. So <laughs> it was quite ironic that the first therapist I went to, I laughed because I'm like, she referred me on after one <laughs> session. I was like, I've gone to see her and my first therapist has broken up with me. <laughs> yeah, that feels terrible, doesn't it? It's like, um, yeah, so I, I actually do know someone that can possibly help you. Like, wait, why can't you help me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. She sends me to the next therapist. The next therapist does this odd therapy called Radix and it's really, it's about that emotions and stuff. So, but I remember being in her therapy and she always wanted me to, all right, I'm going to, put these pillow, big pillows here and I want you to get physical and hit them. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'll go to boxing. I'm not going to hit, I'm not going to hit these pillows. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so I kind of, I've ended, ended up moving on from her. Um, I did learn some good things with her, but I remember the third one. I've had a few therapists, haven't I? God, what a nut job. <laughs> um, I think that's standard the these third, days. The third one, I rock up, it was a guy and one of my friends was had done therapy with him for a long time. So I was like, all right, Michael, here I am. This happened to me when I was a kid. This is what I think's going on. I want to fix, right? Go, go you know? <laughs> yes. Do the thing. Fix. Fix the thing. Yeah. And <laughs> looking back now, it's funny, but I remember by the fourth session he sat down and he's like, all right, so Tiff, normally by three to four sessions in, I get a real sense of who someone is and what they need from me. I'm like, yep. He goes, I don't get that from you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, hey, 
well, hang on, you're the expert, and this mm. is the funny thing. It was like, you're the expert, you have the answer. I just thought there were, that in life there are answers mm-hmm. and you will know them and mm. you will tell me the answer mm. to me. And it's like, but realising now, that's what a ridiculous thing to think. Yeah. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to let it out. You've got to let your guard down and you have to... I, I just keep coming back to that whole playing a different role, playing a different persona. Because you've been hurt, because you've been, you know, whether it's the abandonment that you mentioned, which we didn't really go into, but the certainly the abuse, uh, you know, I was absolutely terrified of letting myself close to anybody. And I was also terrified of letting everybody know that I was terrified, miserable, f- frightened of everything. And so I became the ringleader. I was the guy, the party, the thing, the joker, oh, let's go loot that, you know, and then... Uh, you know, I couldn't go home. I'd have an anxiety attack and a panic attack and I'd wake up in the morning and I'd not know how to get out of bed and then I'd have to do it all over again. And I did that for two, I'd say two decades, you know, until finally I was like, yeah. I I can't do this anymore. This is fucking exhausting, you know? And it's, and so, it's, it's of- so nice to just get over that. But it takes a while. Yeah, but it's, those mo- it's not until those moments where you you know, you're on your knees and you're having a big cry and you're like, oh, there's no one I can reach out to because everyone thinks I'm just killing. You know, like because I haven't leaned on anyone. Yeah. And I can't just go dropping this bomb that I'm not doing. You know, like, see, they were the moments where I realised I wasn't on a great path because it's like, well, God. Well, how nice is it to be vulnerable, though? Like Kyle and I I are like a couple of right old soppy dudes, you know, we're like... (laughs) He's like, I love you, man. He's like, I love you, man. And I'm like, I'm feeling, you know, I feel like I need a hug today. It's like, yeah, me too. And like, oh, we're just obsessed with feelings. And I just we have bad days. And I'm like, do you want to go see a movie? Like yeah. in the theater open? Yeah. yeah, let's go. Yeah, man. And it's like to be able to, to be a vulnerable human being. And and what, since we started doing this podcast, and since we started to get a bit of a following, I, the amount of my friends and people that I ha- have crossed paths with over the last few years, the amount of people that have got in touch to say, can I tell you something? Or have you got time to chat? Or what you're doing is amazing. And God, it feels amazing to say that I'm not doing good. And I'd never thought you would be the person that I would be coming to talk to. And I was like, well, I I want to be that person now because I just laid it all out on the table. You know, it's just like, here it is. And it feels great, you know? Yeah. I On that, I... I always have the analogy that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I would never pry in to people's lives because I didn't want them to pry into mine. So it was this, I would, I remember years ago, one of my best mates, I, I remember going on a date. Don't do that often. And I've gone on this date and I come home and my housemate's like, so what's his last name? What does he do for work? What is he, has he got any family? And he's just all these questions. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And she goes, Tiff, what like, what do you talk about? I'm like, I don't like I don't ask personal questions. Yeah. I was once seeing a guy for a year and a half and the amount of stuff I didn't know about him because I wouldn't pry into mm-hmm. his life yeah. was ridiculous. And it yeah. just keeps a massive wall up. Yeah. And what I realized was in on this podcast, that had fallen away. And there was just this complete openness and authenticity. And and I realised that in asking people to be completely vulnerable to me meant that I was in turn being completely vulnerable. And it was was just such, it was like looking from the outside going, wow, haven't I changed? Isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? 
I love it. Mm. Let's talk about your podcast. Uh, this is your time. This is your moment to plug your podcast so that our listeners can find you and listen to yours. Thank you. It is called Roll with the Punches. And kind of much like you guys, I speak to people often who have rolled with the punches or maybe scientists or medical professionals or academics on topics that intrigue me about how humans can roll with the punches or, Mm. you know, so epigenetics, uh, neuroscience, all sorts of topics where I see value in how can we be better, resolve things, do better, go further. I love yeah. it. Isn't yeah. that fun? This is great. I, I could I feel like we could talk for forever, but we'd probably better start to wrap it up. Would you Kyle, I know you've got a thousand questions because you're leaning forwards. That's what that's what you do. <laughs> Thank you so much. I um yeah, they're all boxing questions, though, so I'll wait till... Well, so, so talking about editing versus not editing, there was about five minutes where you guys were just chit-chatting about, like, taking punches in the face, and I was like, well, I probably will keep that in, but it's like, to anyone that's thinking about taking up boxing as a means to release trauma and emotion, they'll be like, I don't <laughs> know if I want to do that specifically. <laughs> But Tiff, what would you say to that? Because you don't have to get in a ring and be punched in the face. You can get in the ring and you can do boxing training, right? And so on. Absolutely. I now do four-week boxing uh, workshops, beginner boxing workshops. There is so much power in the art of learning a technique and using your body in a way to exert force. I, I didn't step in the boxing ring with any anger. And I used to say at the start, gee, I wish I could. Now I'm a Taurus. I have a bit of a temper, right? I had a wild little temper. And I used to get, when I get angry outside the ring, I was like, I wish I could get angry inside the ring because I would kill someone. I would knock <laughs> them out. You know how strong you feel when you're angry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But inside the ring, funnily enough, wasn't attaching to any emotions. Mm. Um, I did a lot of work in that. And if I can just divert before answering your question properly, when I went back into the ring in 2019, I'd done three years of not competing, and in that time quite a bit of therapy on the emotional stuff. And as I chose to work on that stuff, I had to ask myself, "Is is box? how important is boxing to you? Because this work will change how who you are in the boxing ring. So when I went back in 2019, my biggest question was, who are you going to be in mm. the boxing ring? Mm. And I felt emotions and I had reactions to emotions, but I also had moments of, of self-care that weren't there before, whereas when, because I, I chose a very, very tough love trainer, that's how I liked to train. I mm. liked to be on the edge of mm. performance and pushing the limits. Mm. But there were times where I stepped up and said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't need to do that for this. Like that serves no purpose to me now, whereas before it was I would step in, you could do anything to me because I'm just there to do the job. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really interesting. It definitely changed while I was in the boxing ring, and I needed to know that I was okay with changing that result. What was the question you asked before that I completely no? I think abandoned? you covered it. It was just if, if people were scared about getting punched in the face repeatedly, but they wanted to. Yeah. I think people will be interested to hear about how you unlocked emotion. You, for me, I, I'm still in the process of 
are trying to unlock a lot of grief from my traumatic experience as a kid losing a friend and also the death of my father you know two three years ago which i i mm-hmm. haven't i haven't done any grieving because i'm not too sure my subconscious is letting that out you know and i think that's the story for so many people so many people are scared they're scared to feel what that release is going to be is that going to take you all the way back to that place and it sounds like your story you it's taken you back to that place but allowed you to to deal with it and overcome it which is so inspiring yeah. you know so that you know that boxing ring raised questions and i went and i sought out answers and change and i've done therapy but i've also done periods of NLP, um, which life coaches do NLP, and that's timeline therapy, and that's a therapy of removing and coming to terms with and changing your relationship and your triggers with emotions. Mm. And it's really funny because the only emotion I really kind of had or resonated with prior to my work was anger. Mm. And I would get, and I know, and it's very rare that it happens now, but there will be time I would get pent up and I would start to get pissed off at things. When I started to see myself looking for something to be annoyed about, I knew that underneath there was something else. Mm. Now, when I did that work on anger through a life coach years ago, I went and did a life coaching course myself to go and learn NLP and just get, you know, get around it. Mm. And when we went to the practice of doing that with each other, we're like, all right, we'll work on anger. And I remember it wasn't until this day, and this was three years after that first life coaching course that I did or sessions, I said to my the person I was working with in this course, I might choose the next emotion because I don't really resonate with anger. And as I said it, I was like, oh, well, A, that shit worked back then. And I thought it was weird because I didn't understand that I was sitting there imagining something and answering questions going, I don't know what this woo, I don't know if I'm doing this shit right. It's costing me a lot of money. It's cost me, I paid three grand for this and you're asking me to float, float in the air and then see myself as a four-year-old. Like, yep, sure. Yep, dude, see myself. No worries, Dean. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I kind of reflected on, oh, Now I see why the last few years have seemed more turbulent to me Mm. because in comparison I have been feeling and dealing with the emotions that were sitting underneath the the anger, which were, you know, shame or grief or sadness or loneliness or, all you know, all of those harder to process. Anger is a really kind of can be a really cool one because I can choose, like I can project that onto things. I can push it to somewhere else. I can direct it. I can mm. have this level of control. Mm. But when you start to say, oh, I, yeah, I feel sad, like that's you really stepping into yourself then and you're taking ownership and, that you know, there's there's less ways of framing that differently. Like you have to be vulnerable. Totally. Wow. Rant over. No, I love it. Um, we talk, Kyle and I do a little afterthought section where we try and make, jokes at other people's expense basically no that's not true at all. No, we, <laughs> oh i love this no, we, I don't. Love we don't we have a little ga- we have a little get together after each of our episodes and just reflect on what we've learned and there's so much to take from from what we've discussed and in that section as well what we do is we post the links to um anything relevant stuff that you want to send us and that can include your podcast that should also include your boxing workshop um so for our listeners uh, they should know to check that out as well. Um, Kyle, before we go, would you like to to sign off with any one last question or gem of insight? No pressure. 
you, you've done so much. And my last question would be, what's next for you? Is there anything on the future? Is there anything like? Yeah, so really in love with the podcasting and just pushing pushing that forward um, as a platform. What that has opened up is what I've always wanted to get into, but a bigger version of it, and that I will continue the boxing workshops because I love them and they are, I have everything from 14-year-olds up to 69-year-olds that have never boxed. And to me, because we, we train for two hours and it's all technique, so it's about well, I'm giving people the opportunity to understand and check in and feel the movements and understand it. But then we go for brunch. And, you know, sometimes brunch can last for three hours. But at those brunches, on more than one occasion, there have been tears and connection. And for mm. me, that's that's everything. So I run those. Uh, and just more events, online mentoring, just moving forward in that space of bringing people together and sharing the lessons that I'm blessed to be learning from all the people I get to speak to, which is, you know, for me, I just it's it's made such a massive change in my life to be able to pass that on in any way. That'll be amazing. And there ends the a really really exciting conversation and thank you and it's just been inspirational and i know that lots of our listeners will get a lot out of it and i'm i feel like there's been just almost like sometimes i feel like carl we, we need this kind of ask the experts se- section as well as listening to people's stories of trauma you've just brought so much to the table in terms of unlocking feelings and emotions and 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 becoming strong and how to direct your um i don't know feelings and emotions that you were confused with in the past and i don't know there's just so much there's so much to take out of it so we really appreciate you coming on i definitely fangirled out so kyle's lit kyle's that's not gonna lie kyle's a bit doughy eyed up there yeah it's, it's like oh my god kyle's a bit like don't go <laughs> oh my god well I might have to get you guys on roll with the punches sometime, have Any, a little bit of yeah, banter. Any time. We'd love to. Yeah, we come Oops. as a package. Well, that's not true, but, yeah, we'd love to come as a package. That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. We'll do it. Well, thank, thank you. you so thank much. you so much, Tiff. We'll speak to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, guys.